Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Happy feast day of Our Lady of the Rosary. I'm going to talk about one of one of my favorite decades of the rosary a little later and a little bit about the rosary as well. Also, we'll talk about the struggle we often have in living according to the world's standards versus other standards. Would that be our own? Would that be biblical standards? We'll talk about that. I thought it was especially poignant in light of Bryce Dallas Howard saying that she was pressured to lose weight for the latest Jurassic World Dominion film. We'll also dive into how a teacher in Philadelphia, um, or sorry, Pennsylvania, was actually reinstated after being removed from work because he refused to cave to telling a lie. We'll talk about that a little later on. It's a fascinating story and something that I think many people are concerned about. Talk about bucking other people's responsibilities for them. Do you notice we live in a culture where it seems as if not only do we want to shirk our own responsibilities, but we want to take good responsibilities from other people. I'm not talking about maybe, you know, day-to-day job responsibilities, but, you know, big weighty responsibilities that people live with. The Denmark queen has stripped four of her grandchildren of their royal titles specifically for the purpose of removing the responsibility of the monarchy from them so that they have greater freedom. We'll talk about that and how there's a trend uh, to take, especially as parents, to take responsibilities away from children that are perhaps good. I'd love to hear your thoughts on removing responsibilities from children and where the balance is there. Are you getting ready to vote for life in the upcoming election, whether it be for a candidate or maybe a proposition in your state? One of the questions I keep hearing from people is, how do I talk to someone about voting pro-life? I don't know what to do. We'll talk about that and again, the feast day of Our Lady of the Rosary today. You're listening to Trending with Timmery here on Relevant Radio it's great to be with you. So I've been really fascinated. I wanted to talk about this a couple weeks ago, but the top grossing film, um, one of the top grossing films of the year has been Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, again, continuing that franchise of Jurassic Park, second grossing film at worldwide box offices for the year of 2022, apart from Maverick. And I find it interesting because a news report went up a couple weeks ago that the lead actress who plays Claire, Bryce Dallas Howards, uh, who plays opposite of Chris Pratt, that she was asked by people to go on a diet for the film. 
Dieting is nothing new or different. I mean, some actors and actresses will completely change their physiques to take on various roles. Now, Bryce Dallas Howard's in real life has two children. Uh, she's a mom and her body's changed. She has a more full, a fuller figure than she had when she did the previous Jurassic Park films. And it was interesting because she made a comment in an interview saying that she was asked to not use her, quote, natural body on cinema. So she was asked to lose weight and also would have needed to use a stunt double as well. But the director... Colin Trevor actually stopped, stepped in and defended Howard's talking about how a lot of people have different kinds of body types and women uh, are being represented. Different types of body types, different women are represented on the film and that's both represented in the film as well as in real life. And I was really grateful that the director stepped in and defended Bryce Dallas Howard from having to go on a diet, from having to use a stunt double, even... Bryce Dallas Howard has commented that if she had been dieting for the film, she wouldn't have been able to do the stunts she did, which are fun and exciting and a bit of part of acting that she did in the Jurassic World Dominion film. And I thought it was really interesting because it comes back to this whole question of do you live your life based on the world standards, a company standards, a current fad or trend or do you live your life on your own standards and should we live our lives on our own standards I think all of this really does impact everything from our self-worth our confidence our happiness our comfort in our own body good grief I mean I feel really bad that Bryce Dallas Howard's would ever be asked to lose weight but I also get it you know I come from the background of a dancer world I come from fitness I taught Pilates for many years and you know we're all about physical physical activity and staying healthy and especially in the dancing world you know I grew up at a time when it transitioned really as I was coming out of uh, dancing that I used to be the type of body that was a professional dancer was the stick thin anorexic, bulimic body type. And then that changed. Also, when I first, I remember when I was really young, it used to be not just stick thin, but really, really tall. And if you wanted to get into different ballet companies and dance with them, you needed to be very, very tall. And well, if you know anything, I'm barely five foot two, so that just wasn't going to work with some dance companies. Uh, but it was always interesting to me from a very young age being in that dancing world that there was such a high level of pressure to change things that weren't changeable. So obviously you can't change how tall you are. You also can't necessarily change your bone structure. Certain parts of your body are larger or smaller. Your body develops and has a different shape than another woman. And in the dancer world, there was a lot of comparison, a lot of opportunities or missed opportunities for various parts in let's say a ballet or a position in a dance recital that would kind of require based on the grouping of people in the desired artistic outcome a certain type of body type and so I, I grew up with this I knew this and I saw a lot of people who struggled with meeting the world standards, but not just the world, but this microcosm, this small subset within their own community of what was expected of them. I saw some people cripple under it. 
you know, turning to bulimia and anorexia. I remember, especially when I was dancing with the Russian Ballet Company, the Kirov in Washington, D.C., when I was a really early teen, I danced in their summer programs, and there were girls who didn't touch their food, didn't eat. There were girls who chowed down, and then next thing you know, 15 minutes later, they were making themselves vomit in the bathroom. And I was always fascinated by what got a person to that place that the standard not of the world but of a local community could pressure them so hard to be so uncomfortable in their own body to lack such a strong level of confidence and self-worth and actually really deplete their happiness that they would reach that point I can think of in particular one a young woman incredibly talented. So I think when I, I was about 14-ish years old when I was dancing with the Russian Ballet Company in Washington, D.C. in Kirov, and there was one girl in particular who was, you know, kind of the golden child of the room. I think there were maybe about 100 of us in uh, the that level of the program that I was dancing, and, you know, she received a lot of great attention. She was extremely talented, extremely talented, and this is one of those people who was struggling through an eating disorder because she thought that she had to be a particular way to please people and it was heartbreaking to watch because I would watch this young young girl at the time you know my peer who was so talented but so fixated and on her body and isolated even from much of the joy of the other people she was interacting with in the dance program because she put such unrealistic standards on herself because she thought that's what everyone else expected. And so she really did isolate herself from other people because she was unhappy and lacked confidence and self-worth and comfort in her own body, even though she was trying to do the things to please other people to be the best. But it wasn't making her happy. And so here we are kind of bringing this back to this whole Bryce Dallas Howard situation that she was pressured to lose weight, uh, to diet, to use a stunt double for the Jurassic World Dominion film, and she didn't. She didn't cave in. Sure, maybe she went on some form of a diet that anyone might go on, you know, just to be healthier, to shed a few pounds, but she didn't go for the intense dieting that would prevent her from doing stunts, that would drastically alter and change her appearance. She stood her ground. And she was the lead actress in the second most grossing film worldwide for 2022 thus far. And I appreciate that she spoke up about it. Because I think we live in a culture where it's so easy, not for us to just live by the world standards, but by our local community standards. And in those standards we place on ourselves that are truly destroying our happiness, self-worth, confidence, comfort in our own body there are so many things that are being impacted the reality is is that the world is always going to have a standard for its time it could be i laugh and i'm sorry i'm gonna offend people but oh well (laughs) we're going for it here and one of those standards that we live in right now uh centers around cosmetics and the cosmetic trend of the last few years, it seems to be decreasing a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but it seems to be decreasing a little bit of false eyelashes. Everyone has their eyelashes done now. I'm laughing at a bunch of the guys who are like, wait, what? Yes, I'm serious, gentlemen. Women have eyelash extensions put on, extending their eyelashes. 
to be longer. And one of the reasons, and I actually really do get this, that some women love eyelash extensions is because when they wear them, you don't really have to wear a lot of other makeup, at least on your eyes. <laughs> one of my producers was saying, I just had a very quizzical look about eyelashes and eyelash extensions. A lot of women are going for eyelash extensions, have been for years. I do think this fad is dying down. On one side, it's easy. You can skip a lot of the other eye makeup, at least, although I don't understand the whole like 25 pounds of caked on concealer. Uh, that's an another topic. Again, I'm digging myself into a hole. Like, bring the hate mail. Uh, but so that that's a standard, right? That's been something that's been very trendy and common over the last five to 10 years years. And I always kind of laugh at it because for me, you know, eyelashes were something that you wore when you were on stage and you had people looking at you from hundreds of feet away and your eyes need to pop a little bit so that they can see your face a little bit better. So I remember not wearing eyelash extensions, but wearing fake eyelashes. I actually have a really funny memory. I remember when my cousin was dating her now husband when I was dancing a lot and he was there helping pick us up after a dance recital that he had been at and I'm standing in the hallway and I'm ripping the fake eyelashes off because it's like this heavy just thing that's weighing your eyes down. I don't know how people have eyelash extensions on. I'm sitting here kind of just like putting my hands on my eyes just thinking about what it would be like to have them on 24-7. Funny story about eyelash extensions. I have a family member who had had a bad job done on her eyelash extensions. I kept joking that she had like cat hair or something put on her eyes because she kind of had an allergic reaction. Her eyes were getting all puffy and she started yanking them out one by one. <laughs> she had a little bit of a meltdown at the end of a party over her eyelashes that were making her eyes itch. And I remember as the evening progressed, she's crying over her fake eyelashes that she had wanted for so long and she finally got them. And the next thing you know, they're just a pile of a giant tarantula on the coffee table. There are her fake eyelashes that she just ripped out and lost half of her eyelashes in the process. But the whole eyelash conversation comes back to standards. Okay, give or take, you may or may not like fake eyelashes because they make your eyes look bigger, you don't have to put on other makeup, or you feel like maybe there's pressure to have fake eyelashes because everyone's doing it and you just can't get the same eyelashes with a classic mascara. I know, gentlemen, you're probably sitting here going, what are we talking about? But the point is, is that the standards we, we meet at a given time in a different culture it really does put a tremendous amount of pressure both on men and women. You know, you see this even in the fitness world for men. You know, achieving that PR, that personal record on what you're lifting, what you're pressing, what you're squatting, having, you know, the right size arms, the right size this, you know, the right haircut. It, it's not just something that women struggle with. Men struggle tremendously with insecurity or with feeling like they're a big, great fraud and you're just faking it till you make it all the time. And so what we're challenged to do in our current culture, and especially whether it's you or maybe someone you're setting a good example for, maybe even for a child, is making sure you have that healthy balance of being healthy, happy, confident, having accountability. If you live maybe in a subset of a culture that per puts a tremendous amount of pressure on the way you look, for example, the dancing culture. I know growing up, I had a very healthy sense of 
of my body. I did not ever think that I needed to uh, not eat. Of course, nutrition was important to me and I learned a lot about nutrition. And, and you could even argue a healthy sense of healthy dieting, not dieting, but having a healthy diet was important to me when I was in my early teenage years. And not that it was perfect, not that there weren't times where, you know, you have this moment, oh, I wish I had that body. I wish I had this talent. Everyone struggles with that. But it was a moment of wishing I didn't have this body or I hate my body so much that I need to enter into, you know, engaging in this, in this eating disorder, whatever it might be. And so part of I think this challenge that we live in in living by proper standards for ourselves that I think Bryce Dallas Howard's by refusing to diet and actually be her own, do her own stunts rather than having a stunt double in the film Jurassic World Dominion, she sets that a level of encouragement and accountability of, re, of the reality of expectation for her age. She's a mom. This is her body. Not the same body shape or size or weight as other people. But if I was a different body size or shape or weight, well, then I wouldn't have been able to do the stunts. I wouldn't have been able to do my job or do what I wanted to do in this film. And I think that's the case for all of us. And it kind of come back to this whole topic, comes back to this whole topic of beauty in general. I love this idea of beauty that I think we have lost in the 21st century. It used to be that we understood beauty not just on a physical level, but from a moral and even arguably a religious perspective. That perspective that beauty was in part not just the physique, but the soul. That a woman would be considered more beautiful based on the quality of who she was, not on what she looked like. That is being virtuous, kind, gentle, merciful, generous, patient. All of those things, for example, on this feast day of Our Lady of the Rosie that, that we should be celebrating, that we see in Our Lady. I think of St. Peter's words in the epistle, the first epistle of Peter, chapter 3, where he says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles or wearing of gold jewelry, or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. He's not saying that you can't adorn your body, that you can't wear jewelry, you can't wear fine clothes, that you can't enjoy elaborate things and hairstyles. No, what he's saying is that when it comes to beauty, we need to see, he said, that that comes from the inner self. He said that unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. So the opposite of the wrong type of beauty is having a gentle and quiet spirit. Something that the world does not say women can be today. And in some ways, I think Bryce Dallas Howard's, although she shared publicly that she was pressured to lose weight and diet, and she could have been quiet and not sure that. I think that she spoke profoundly and not saying a woe is me, but saying, hey, this expectation was placed on me. My director stood up for me and said, no, there are different beauty standards. And she's saying, I wouldn't have been able to do what I did had I 
accepted dieting. Or maybe she would have even been able to do what she did if she put up a stink about the even the idea of dieting. These are conversations that need to be had. And I think the reality is that when we look at statements on beauty, understanding that from the perspective of the soul, not just the physique, and looking at what St. Peter said in chapter 3 of his first epistle, we understand that first needs to come that moral spiritual dimension of the soul when it comes to beauty. And then if we're focusing too much on the physical reality of how we present ourselves and not recognizing we're both a body and a soul, not more of a body than a soul, that we're a body and a soul, then we start to get the right standard in terms of how to live our life and how to view our own bodies and how to communicate that to other people. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio. We're going to unpack the topic of responsibility. Are people not just shirking responsibility for themselves, but also choosing to take away what would be good responsibilities for others? Talk about that here in just a moment, as well as discussing Our Lady of the Rosary and how to talk to someone about voting pro-life. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. If you'd like to weigh in on the conversation today or have a question, the number is 1-888-914-9149. It's great to be with you. So much to talk about today. We are going to talk about Our Lady of the Rosary today on her feast day, honoring Our Lady. I'll talk a little bit about one of my favorite decades of the Rosary, although it's hard to choose just one. So we'll say one of my favorite decades from the Joyful Mysteries. Uh, But I want to talk about a story that I think is really relevant to all of us that is concerning many people. And that has to do with maybe losing your livelihood, your job over the politicized nature of the culture we live in, Uh, that something is banned from conversation that you feel uncomfortable saying in the workplace, that you might misgender someone and be fired for that. I was following a recent story out of Pennsylvania in a Beaver County school district where a school teacher, Darren Casado, was suspended because he refused to use a preferred pronoun. He refused to use fake pronouns, fake language to talk to a student. So here's what happened. He doesn't use a pronoun that the student wants to be called by that doesn't match the child's, the student's biological reality. And so a week later, just over the last couple weeks, 400 people packed into a meeting with the school board and the district to talk about this. Well, guess what? Nearly all of those people who showed up at the meeting, nearly 400 people showed up at the meeting, concerned parents, members of the community, teachers, in favor of defending this man, this teacher who told the truth, didn't cave to an emotional or psychological whim of a student and lie. Many people spoke up giving their thoughts and intentions and feedback on 
the situation. And one of the speaker's comments in particular stood out at the meeting that night. The speaker represented the idea that there are really two separate issues going on. One is the pronoun trend of using pronouns for people that don't match their biological sex uh, that fall in line with what a person wants to be called at the time. So there's that trend where people are going down the pronoun journey. The other thing that was going on, a separate issue, the speaker said, is teachers having to modify their speech, they said, quote, based on how that student feels. So again, two separate things. There's a trend of pronouns going around right now. And at the same time, we're talking about a teacher having to modify speech based on how a student feels. Many people agree with this, that we shouldn't just have to change our language because someone else doesn't like the language we're using. That is language that has been universally accepted to define reality, to put a punctuation mark on a conversation, to communicate an idea, a truth, a question, a concept to another human being. We live in a time where we're in a war over language, over what you can and can't say. Now, here in the United States, we have a First Amendment right called free speech that we should have. And this First Amendment right really has to do with your and my capacity to, one, tell the truth, two, speak our minds, and three, to be able to debate and engage in ideas and disagreements to bring about a change of heart or mind in ourselves or others to learn. But many people today are afraid to tell the truth. It's ridiculous. Robert Brenner is commenting on Instagram right now. He said, yeah, it's beyond ridiculous. You can't change reality or nature or God's design. That comment just about summarizes exactly what we're talking about. These speech police people Even if it is a child who says, this is my reality and I want you to conform to my reality. I want the world to conform to my little reality of how I define myself and my reality. We are trying to change what is real, what is nature, and what is God's design. When I talk about nature, I'm talking about a universal human nature. Whether or not you believe in God doesn't have to be a part of this conversation. What does have to be a leading part of the conversation is that we do share human nature. This is why talking about things from the perspective of human natural law is so helpful. We all have similar desires. We have similar anatomy, either male or female. There are two ways you can go. And in fact, when medical professionals in history have dealt with the rare but indeed circumstances where there's genital uh, genital damage, where there is ambiguous genitalia. Well, over the last hundred years or so, we have tremendous data diving into chromosomes and chromosomal knowledge to help us understand whether or not someone's male or female and to help repair cosmetically the anatomy of an individual whose anatomy might not have fully developed. But we can at least help to create the simulation of what the anatomy would match the chromosomes. Or maybe sometimes on the rare occasions, a person's anatomy doesn't fully develop and their chromosomes are damaged. Those would be the rare, rare, rare instances where I guess you could argue pronouns could be up for grabs. 
But that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about young people who are struggling out of nowhere often in current culture with the sudden onset, the rapid sudden onset of gender dysphoria. Where they suddenly say, I don't know what I am. Or often it starts with, I think I'm bisexual. Or I think I'm transgender. Or I think I'm gay. And all of these things start to be experimented on. And now I want you to conform to what I think I might be, even though I'm not quite sure and I'm trying to figure it out. The studies are out there over and over again. And we'll even cite some. I'll throw some up in the notes for today's show that are very clear. We're talking about between 80 and 95% of children today who struggle with a gender dysphoria, who are questioning or trying to identify something other than what they're identifying as, if they are left be, if they are not ushered into a transgender identity or encouraged or counseled in that direction, 80 to 95% of them will work out their sexuality and their gender dysphoria on their own. The studies are clear on this. We've had some of the top experts on gender identity disorders on discussing how important it is to understand that this sudden rapid onset of gender dysphoria is just one of the things that often has a comorbidity existing with it or often usually prior to it. Depression, anxiety, social isolation, loneliness. And that if we were to just to help address the brokenness an individual is experiencing, it would help prepare them to maybe prevent other dysphoric tendencies that they might experience as a symptom of what they're struggling with, whether it be anxiety, isolation, bonding, the need for affirmation, whatever that might be. So here's the good news of the story. The school district reinstated the teacher who wouldn't use false pronouns, who wouldn't tell a lie to a student in Pennsylvania in a Beaver County school district. Darren Casado was reinstated within just a week or so of having been pulled out of functioning, being suspended from being a teacher. The school district reinstated him. Many people came to support him and out of fear because they wanted to see how this was going to play out. It was fantastic to see, and this is the truth of the matter, parents standing up for the teacher. There's a lot of animus today between the idea of teachers and the idea of parents. Justifiably so, teachers unions and whatnot have been saying that they don't think parents are the ones who should be educating their children, that the teacher knows better, and they're blindsiding moving around parents without parents' cooperation. But this is one of those instances where parents came together and supported this teacher. The teacher should not have to modify his or her speech based on how a student feels. Good on this teacher. So it'll be interesting to see how this continues to play out because the school board there in Beaver County School District intends to write a new policy to address this. I'm going to guess, uh, hopefully, they'll protect their teachers to tell the truth because just think about it. I think this is a really important point. If you're a young, impressionable adolescent and you are suddenly identifying as a new gender based on how you currently feel, to have a person in authority, a teacher, a therapist, a parent, just use that pronoun that does not line up with reality, it's confusing. And it used to be, even today, the American Psychological Association's handbook 
still addresses it as such in all of psychology prior to this, it's similar to the idea of if someone were to believe that they only have one leg but they really have two legs, you would help to work support that person in accepting and embracing reality because they're experiencing a sense of dysphoria. You don't just say, yeah, you know, you only have one leg. You should live in a wheelchair for the rest of your life because that's not a wholesome, healthy approach to the human person. It's not telling the truth. It's a lie. The same what should be done with the biological reality of male and female. You can't identify in one way as your soul, another way emotionally, another way psychologically, another way biologically, another way anatomically. It just doesn't work that way. No matter how hard the pro-LGBTQ ideology tries to say. And this is why I'm so appreciative of this teacher who who stood his ground and told his student the truth by not using pronouns that were a lie. He did the best possible thing for that kid when maybe other people in his life aren't willing to do so. He was honest with the kid. I know a lot of you parents are struggling with this right now. Maybe you have a child who's struggling with gender dysphoria. Maybe that kid has come to you and said, you know what, I want to be called. Maybe your little girl is saying, I want to be called a boy and I want to be referred to with he, him, they pronouns. And you're saying, wow, like I have a big monkey to tackle here. I have a real challenge in front of me. And you may say, you know, maybe I just want to give in on the pronouns and just call my child whatever they want and work on everything else. I get that perspective, but language matters. Telling the truth matters. Okay, maybe your daughter, Sarah, wants to be called by Sam right now. Maybe you could concede, maybe you can concede a name, a nickname that they prefer, but not the reality of something so fundamental as a biological reality, male and female. And even then, I don't think we should just go with the whim of what someone wants to be called at a given moment, even on the name necessarily. But the truth, no matter what, where we have to draw the line and whether you're a parent who's struggling with this with one of your children or you're in the workplace, we have to draw the line at telling the truth of the reality of male and female. And I think that stories such as this coming out of Pennsylvania are incredibly encouraging to remember that hundreds of people, hundreds of parents showed up to support this man, that he should not be compelled or forced to change his speech based on a lie and the given whim of how a student feels at a particular moment. It's bad for a child, it's bad for a teenager, it's bad for an adult to lie to them about reality. It's psychologically confusing for an adult to affirm a clinical dysphoria of a child. I keep coming back to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel. Matthew chapter 7, he says, Beware of of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing. He then goes on to say, you will know them by their fruits. You also know, know this passage is you will know them by their works. I think that this is especially relevant to the culture we live in. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. A lot of people will say, well, love is love. You know, be, be merciful. Just call this person what they want to be called by. What, what's the big deal? Just calling them by whatever pronoun they want. Well, it's not true. It's a lie. We don't have to bully or be mean to someone, but we also don't have to participate in a dysphoric, delusional reality. And I think that the pressure people are putting 
on many of us in society today to just go with the whims of the world and try to use the slogan love is love or accuse us of transphobia or homophobia or whatever that might be. That's a prophet, a false prophet in sheep's clothing, seemingly representing love and at times trying to claim that they represent the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ of mercy, love, and compassion. But in reality, they're forcing us to live and tell a lie. Jesus Christ says in John chapter 8, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Do you hear those words? Because these are powerful words that God himself spoke to us, encouraging us to not be afraid to tell the truth about the human person, about the pursuit of happiness, about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the reality of humanity made male and female. He says, Jesus Christ says, John chapter 8, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We're talking about freedom, but not the American version of freedom. The American idea of freedom is I can do whatever I want. Even the American idea of free speech arguably doesn't fully match up with the Christian worldview because freedom and free speech have to do with the idea that we're doing what is right. We're free to do what is right, not free to just shirk responsibility, to do whatever we want. Freedom is always oriented toward a good, not toward a negative. God gave us free will. Yes, we can freely default. We can freely choose not to follow him. But he gave us freedom for the purpose of choosing to know, love, and serve him. And so we have to shake out of our heads this American idea of freedom and free speech. That freedom and free speech are for the sake of doing what is right, what is true, what is good, what is beautiful. And that's the purpose of freedom. Not to just shirk responsibilities and duties. We are called, all of us, to live out the calling to be free in Jesus Christ. To live as the creatures that he created us to be. John chapter 8, in just that same passage, that same chapter we're just reading from, where Jesus talks about, in Jesus Christ, in the Son, you are made free. Think about it for the moment. I want everyone to experience that freedom. That through understanding we are created in God's image and likeness, with a purpose, a plan, a blueprint for our bodies, for our human interactions, for the pursuit of happiness and union with God, that in God, in the Son, of, in the Son, in the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, that is how we are made free. We flourish when we conform to the reality of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I, in John chapter 15, Jesus Christ says this all over the Gospels about keeping his commandments. But in John chapter 15, he says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I love this passage because it doesn't single out anyone. It doesn't say, hey, that person living in an adulterous relationship. Hey, that person who's a liar. Hey, that person who's experiencing same-sex attraction, gender dysphoria. Or hey, that person who has a gambling issue. Or hey, that person who is just so disrespectful to their spouse and is warring in their marriage. No, it doesn't single out anyone. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. All of us, every single one of us, have a battle we are living out every single day. 
We all struggle with concupiscence, right? That tendency towards sin. We struggle with our own faults, our own sins, weaknesses, temptations, tendencies. And some of us, I think it's easy to think, well, man, that person has it easier than me or that person has it harder than someone else. But the reality is is that all of us are called to the same conformity of our Lord Jesus Christ to keep his commandments. And all of us need his grace to do so. We need the gift of reconciliation, of going to confession, to be forgiven by God for our sins. We all need the Eucharistic grace available to us, union with Christ and the Eucharist. We literally, as Catholics, have the ability to receive our Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity in Holy Communion. We need that formation of our conscience. We need good peers. We need people who are going to challenge us, love us. We need courage to live this out, even when the world's standards are really pushing today to silence and make us afraid to live out and preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in our day-to-day lives. I'll be right back here on Trending to talk more about Our Lady of the Rosary and shirking responsibility, not just for ourselves, but for others. talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. So much I want to talk about in our final minutes today. It's Friday, and if you've not been with us all week, so many great conversations. Relevantradio.com forward slash trending just to listen to the podcast or wherever you catch your podcast. We are there. You can subscribe Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, you name it. Share an episode with a friend, especially today. It's a feast day of Our Lady of the Rosary, which I promise I will get to in just a minute here. But really quick, I do want to give you some tips. And if you have questions, I want to get your questions on this because many people have been asking me, how do I talk to friends and family about voting pro-life? How do I start or stir up that conversation? Well, that's why we talk about what we do here on Trending, because we use a lot of what's happening in the news and pop culture to bring conversation topics having to do with body image, modesty, sexuality, abortion, gender, to the forefront of your mind. Your news stories where you can say, hey, did you hear about their school teacher in Pennsylvania? You may or may not agree with the person, who you're talking to, but say, hey, do you hear about that school teacher in Pennsylvania? Hundreds of parents showed up to support him. He wouldn't use the preferred po- pronoun of the student. What do you think about that? Really simple ways. Or Nicki Minaj talked about an abortion or talked about her stance on abortion. And, you know, this came up I, really relevant this week in the news that we didn't even get to yet. Kanye West, by the way, hardcore yet again, repping his pro-life stance. And when he was criticized for it, he said, you know, I don't care. Something I'm paraphrasing. I don't care, you know, about performing for an audience. I only care about performing for an audience of one, and that's God. 
Woo, talk about just some poignant statements. And I'm not saying the man's perfect or that he has had, you know, the best past, but this man is staunchly pro-life. He's speaking it as it is. He even made a comment this week talking about how more black babies die in New York from abortion than are born. Think about that for a moment. More black babies die in New York from abortion than who are born today. So that's one person in the public's eye. Hey, did you know that Kanye West doesn't support abortion? And he's shared an interesting fact. What do you think about that? It's okay if someone disagrees with you. I think that's sometimes what we need to be prepared for. The disagreement, the challenge. But we need to have a conversation. And I think the only people willing to have those conversations are you and I. Because most people just want to shut down the conversation and we are guilty of this ourselves. So how do you talk to a family or friend? Use current events, topics, and ideas, or just ask a question. My husband is really good at this, about asking questions, uh, just to stir up topics. We were with family this last week, traveling, and he brought up a couple of topics like, hey, do you actually believe in free speech? What are your thoughts on free speech? This is what I think. Huge debate and conversation with the house. Uh, he came to my mom and my two sisters and I and said, what do you think about a man crying? Do you think it's appropriate for a man to cry? Led to a long conversation and debate on what we thought about men crying. That's a topic for another day on the show. Maybe a gentleman's hour. That would be a fun one. So everyone's weighing in. Really easy ways to just bring up an a- conversations by asking questions. But we have to first be willing to talk. So here are your tips. How do you talk to a friend or family member about voting pro-life? First, be willing to actually talk and have a conversation. Two, use news, pop culture, or a question you actually want to hear the answer to, even if it's not what you agree with, from another person. So one, talk. Two, use news and pop culture. Three, ask questions. And four, listen. And then ask more questions. Maybe tell some stories. This is why story is so powerful when it comes to changing hearts and minds. This is what the culture does so well of telling the story about this person who suffered this. And we need to be able to tell real life stories as well. You're listening to Trending with Tim right here on Relevant Radio. Okay, I really want to talk about bucking responsibility. We might have to save that for another day because I was fascinated by the Denmark queen has stripped four of her grandchildren of their titles. One as young as about 10 years old and others in their teenage years. And I was fascinated to see this. The reason she did that was because she wants them to be able to shape their own existence without being limited, this is what the palace says, without being limited by special considerations and obligations. So in other words, she was trying to remove responsibility from four of her grandchildren so they could just live their own existence, not be limited and not have obligations. I really found this interesting. I'm sure there's more to the story. I don't know a whole lot about about the monarch of Denmark. But what I do know is that we do live in a time where there's a trend in our culture to try and remove responsibilities, not just from ourselves, but from other people. Especially, I think parents do this a lot today. And not to like say, hey, you're a bad parent, but think about it. There is a culture where a lot of people don't want their kids to have chores and don't want their kids to have jobs anymore. You'll hear things such as, well, I just want them to be able to focus on school or I want them to be able to get good grades. But if you look at the same time, we have a whole workforce of people who are imploding, millennials and Gen Z who are saying, I don't want to work. 
I'd rather not work. Not that anyone at a certain point says that in some way or another, but we are seeing this mass exodus from the workforce of able-bodied individuals who are refusing to work, not working at all. So I do want to talk about the bucking responsibility for other people. We'll have to talk about it next week here on the show. But in the meantime, and by the way, give me your thoughts on this as I prepare for that topic, because I really would like to hear what you think. Do you think that a lot of parenting today removes responsibility from children that's important? What do you think about Denmark Queen stripping four grandchildren of their title so they no longer be considered princes and princesses? But more specifically, that she she and the palace have released a statement that they need to be able to pursue their own existence, not be limited by obligation. Is obligation a good thing? Do people not have enough obligation? Let me know your thoughts. 1-888-914-9149. Send me an email or reach out on social media at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, which by the way, I will be posting, I promise tonight, some adorable photos from my niece's baptism. She has been baptized. I'm her godmother. I'm very proud praying for her. So I'll share some beautiful pictures of the little baby. But it's a feast day of Our Lady of the Rosary. And just wanted to speak for a few moments here about the rosary. I know you are probably going to stay and pray the Family Rosary Across America next with Father Rocky coming up in a few minutes. I hope you will, especially if you've not, uh, if you've not prayed your rosary yet today, or maybe you aren't in the practice of praying it daily. Some people, when they think of the rosary, maybe you think of your Catholic grandma. I actually think of my great grandmother growing up and also my mom they set the example of praying the rosary every day from the time I was a young child now my grandmother would actually my grandmother would actually she was really talented she would pray her rosary every afternoon and her divine mercy chaplet while watching her soap operas on mute with subtitles that's right <laughs> I just, I still get a kick out of it. God rest uh, her soul. I pray she's in heaven, but God rest her. I pray for her. Um, but she would literally you know, pray her rosary and her Divine Mercy Chaplet while watching her soap operas with subtitles on mute. So she, she set a good example. Again, not the perfect rosary praying, but she got it in. Yes, that's what she did. And uh, from a young age, so my great-grandmother went to daily mass. She prayed her daily rosary. She prayed her daily divine mercy chaplet. I adored my great-grandmother growing up. I was with her uh, till her last living breath. I lived with her the last few years, or sorry, few months of her life. But she set that example of praying the rosary. My mom set the example of praying the rosary growing up. I remember she especially used to pray in the car when we were kids. And the rosary is the intercessory prayer that we have the opportunity to turn to Our Lady asking her intercession for our person to go to heaven, for our loved ones, for our petitions, our needs. It's a combination of two types of prayer, vocal prayer, right? The Hail Marys and the Our Fathers, but also meditation, meditating upon the, upon the mysteries, the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, the life of Our Lady, the Annunciation, the baptism of our Lord. It's a scriptural prayer. Just look at the different decades of the rosary, Look at the main prayers we pray. We pray prayers from the Annunciation and the Visitation that are in the Bible. It's what makes up the Hail Mary. We pray the Lord's Prayer that our Lord Jesus Christ gave to us specifically. So I want to encourage you, if you've never prayed the rosary before, stay with us for the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky, starting in just a moment here. 
but go and find one of those many Catholic rosaries that are probably laying around your home and start making the commitment to pray it daily. Maybe in the car, a sister prays in the shower, you pray it on your walk, but start, even if it's just a decade a day, start there and build your way up. What's getting in the way of your happiness? This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Monday is our weekly happy hour, and I hope you'll join me. Joe Sakura, marriage and family therapist, will be there, and he'll be taking your questions. What's getting in the way of happiness? What can make you happier? For those challenges, relationship, family, marriage, the day-to-day things that get in the way of being happy. We'll talk about them, so join me Monday, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.